0: Welcome to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast with David Pulsini from Six Point Financial Partners. In this podcast, find your path towards a brighter financial future with David as your guide as he helps individuals, educators, and healthcare professionals explore ways they can build wealth while minimizing risk using a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to personal finance. Are you ready to take the first step towards a brighter financial tomorrow? Let's get started.
1: Folks, we are back today with Alex Neary, CFP, and a colleague of mine. Alex has been on the podcast a few times, some of our most popular episodes, Alex, so I thought you'd be proud of that. Today, I wanted to get right into it and into something that Alex has developed and refined over the years, and something that's been very popular for for us to use with our clients and obviously for Alex to use with his clients, and I wanted him to share it with us. Alex has a timeline For the major financial milestones that somebody will face between the ages of 55 and currently 72. And Alex has had to update that, may have to again, but we'll let him get into that. Alex, how are you today?
2: I'm great. How are you?
1: I'm great. So, why don't we dive right into your timeline, age 55, or, or give us a background of what that timeline is and how you use it, and then maybe just start talking through the milestones and I'll ask some questions.
2: Yeah. So, to start with the timeline, I guess, I think it, came about organically just because, you know, as advisors, we're always running to people that are different milestones of their life. And they're not sure even what questions they should be asking their advisor or where they should start in the financial planning process. So we broke it down into, we'll call them five major milestones, although there's definitely smaller milestones that are kind of between them and along the way. So starting with our first milestone, having to age 55, And this one's a pretty short conversation, but a lot of people don't know about it, so we try to include it. And that is actually that you are eligible to take distributions out of your employer-sponsored retirement plans starting at age 55 if you're separated from service. So all that means is the IRS's term for no longer working at that employer. So if, for example, I leave employer ABC at age 55, I can actually take money out of my 401k or 403b without paying that 10% IRS tax penalty. I think there's a lot of confusion on that because most of the time we hear the age 59 and a half being full retirement age. That rule is still true for IRAs. So if you have a rollover IRA or a Roth IRA, that still holds true. But if you are 55 years old, you have a 401k, you're actually eligible to take money out if you're no longer working there.
1: I think most people don't believe that, Alex. So I'm happy that you said it. I hear all the time that 59 and a half.
2: True. <laughs>
1: exactly. So we run into folks all the time for the listeners that they're 56 years old and they're sitting around waiting and they may need some money from their employer-sponsored plan, the 401k, 403b, whatever it is. And they don't even know that they can get to it without a penalty. So that, that definitely is an important conversation.
2: Yeah. And that's, I guess, one of the common mistakes we see with this too, is we see a lot of people that the default setting or what they want to do when they leave a job is automatically roll that 401k over to an IRA for a lot of reasons can make sense, but if you're somebody who's planning on retiring and using that money at 55, it might make sense to either leave it in the 401k plan for another four and a half years or leave part of it in the 401k plan so you have access to some of it, but you wouldn't want to just move all of your money automatically over to an IRA, locking it up if you think you're going to need that money before 59 and a half.
1: How much can you take out of your current investments and never run out of money? When is the absolute best time to take Social Security? Are you 100% confident in your investment strategy? Are you paying too much in taxes? Why? If something were to happen to you today, what would they find? If you are doubting any of this and would like a second opinion or to review these items, along with many more, feel free to reach out to us. You can visit us at www6 or email us at info at 6pointfp.com. Back to the show. All right, 55 important milestone. What's up next?
2: Well, we kind of already covered it, but milestone number two is 59 and a half. I don't want to beat the horse too much here, but at age 59 and a half, you have access to all of your retirement funds, whether they're in a 401k or an IRA. And I think a lot of times when people are looking at retiring, if they are like a lot of people we work with and they have large IRAs or large pre-tax accounts, it can be hard to retire before 59 and a half if you need those funds that are more or less locked up. Now there are some ways that you can get money out before 59 and a half and even before 55. And I know that's not what this podcast is about, but something called 72 T if you look it up, actually allows you to get money out before that. There are some pretty strict rules around it. So you want to be careful, but definitely have an advisor walk you through it if you're not confident and and they should be able to help you out.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. So 72T again, now that you brought it up, we have to say a little bit more about it. So we had a lot of folks, especially in Rochester, New York, we'll call it 20, 15, 20 years ago, get laid off from large organizations. And those folks needed access to their retirement accounts, right? Because they may not have had the savings. They planned on working at that place until they were 60, 65. And all of a sudden they didn't have a job at 52. What could we do for them? It was a 72T, which allows them to take some sort of distribution from that retirement account and not pay the penalty. We're always paying taxes, right? But not the penalty. So 72T was important. Also like 59 and a half, if you are still working, can you take money out of your plan?
2: Yeah. So it goes down to the plan document. Most of the time, if you're 59 and a half, even if you're still working at that job, they will allow you to either take money out as a distribution or sometimes you can actually do a rollover. So if you do want to get that money out to an IRA... Even if you're still working at that employer, a lot of times you can do that. A warning, there are some employers that have a plan document, which is just a fancy term for kind of the rules of the plan for your 401k or 403b. Some employers will actually say that you can't do that. You can get into why they decided to do that for a number of different reasons, but it's not, unfortunately, it's just so they have to find out based on your plan. And then if it is an option, you can look at taking those distributions or rollovers if that's what you want to do.
1: All right, makes sense. So you said we have five milestones. I think we've covered two, 55, 59 and a half. What's next?
2: Yes. So we covered the first two. The third milestone is catch-all for social security. Okay. Uh, the reason I call it catch-all is well, social security can happen at a lot of different mini milestones. So traditionally the earliest you can take social security is age 62. And then you can choose to defer all the way back until age seventy. Every year that you wait, you get about a seven or eight percent increase on that monthly amount. So you can run a break-even analysis and see, you know, what age is optimal based on how long you think you're going to live. And then there's a lot of other factors that go into it, depending on your spouses or beneficiaries or anyone else that's involved. So it's not as easy as a break-even analysis. But sometime between sixty-two and seventy, most people are going to claim Social Security. There are some situations with disabilities and other things where you can actually get at age sixty. So you can get a little bit earlier, but generally again, between 62 and 70. Um, I think it's important to point out, this isn't one of our milestones, but it could be um, your full retirement age. So depending on the year that you're born, your full retirement age is a little bit different. That goes along with social security because you will pay a penalty on your social security if you take it before full retirement age, if you're earning an income above a certain amount that's adjusted every year. 2022, that milestones right about 19,000. So that means for every dollar that you earn or every $2 you earn above $19,000, you're going to have a $1 withheld. So you're going to have a little bit of a penalty there. So I think it's important to know when your full retirement age is and then make sure that's a factor when you're deciding how old you want to be when you claim social security.
1: Social security in itself is a extreme. We could spend 17 meetings with a client to go through how many numbers we could have for break even analysis. I mean, you could literally claim it every single day from 62 to 70. So yeah, it's, it's like infinite possibilities with
2: with it. It's a much bigger conversation we're going to have on this podcast. I know we have a few episodes that cover yeah. it more in depth, so people can check those out or reach out to your advisor and have them walk you through your different options. But it's not it's not as simple as I think some people think. A lot of people look at it as just a break even analysis, and there's a lot more to it than that. Oh, for sure, tax wise, divorce,
1: death, disability claiming spouses off of each other. What's what's the age difference? All sorts of stuff like that. And, and, and folks, you can see why I wanted to have Alex on this podcast, by the way, because this is what he does every day. And it's helping people in this age range because it is a specialty in itself. 55 to 72, these milestones are extremely important financially. All right, we, we've covered three, right? So 55, 59 and a half, 62, social security. What's the next one?
2: yeah so after social security we go to medicare which i guess could in theory come before social security depending on the age that you claim at. but medicare for every single person is going to happen at age 65 um, there's a little bit of confusion over that with whether or not you're still working so we'll kind of try to lay out a simple version of that right now so every single person needs to go on medicare at age 65 regardless of whether or not you're working however medicare part b if you have an equivalent plan offered through your employer, you can choose to stay on that rather than Medicare Part B while you're still working. I think that's one mistake or one source of confusion. Medicare is also a topic that we can do a full podcast on and you never run out of things to say. But I think that's the big thing to understand in, in the five minutes we have to talk about it. The second part is understanding what you're going to pay for Medicare Part B and D. And it's not as simple as just a normal premium. And it's actually calculated based on your income. So there's something called the IRMA chart. So that's the income related monthly adjusted amount is what IRMA stands for. And you can look up this chart online. It's very easy to find, but it means depending on how much income you have, you're going to pay a different premium amount for your Medicare part B and D. And that's important to understand. It's a two-year look back window. Another mini milestone is actually 63, because while you're 63, you're qualifying for the premium that you're going to pay when you're 65. So keeping an eye on ways to keep your income lower so you pay less on the IRMA table can be beneficial. Now, sometimes there's really nothing you can do about your income. If you have a standard of living that requires X amount of dollars and you have the retirement accounts to pull it out from, you might feel like you're stuck. But there are things that you can do if you start the planning process early enough using Roth conversions and other things like that to put yourself in a situation where you have less income, at least on paper, during your IRMA years or while you're on Medicare
1: Yeah, that's a big deal. We call it our friend Irma because we don't want to pay Irma. (laughs)
2: It's a a friend that you don't want to pay.
1: That's right. That's four quick milestones. Let's go over the last one. And then I have some questions based on the things you've covered so far. What's the last milestone that you have right now?
2: Yeah. So milestone five keeps moving on us. It is your required minimum distributions. You'll hear that referred to as RMDs. It used to be for a long time, it was at age 70 and a half, which is a weird number, but that's what it was. So the IRS at age 70 and a half told you that you would have to start taking money out of your pre-tax retirement accounts with the Secure Act 1.0, they backed that up to age 72. So the current rule as we're recording this today is that in the calendar year in which you turn 72, you have to start taking distributions out of your pre-tax retirement accounts, whether it's an IRA or 401k. There's a caveat to that, which we'll touch on in a minute. However, there's legislation going through now that got through the House. I think they are waiting on Senate approval at the at date of recording. Maybe that's changed by the time you're listening <laughs> to this. But what they want to do is they want to back it up to age 75 with some phase in there. So it's not going to be as crystal clear as just age 75 for everybody. They're going to, again, look at the year you were born and back it up periodically. Now that could change as they go through the uh, final steps here. But it looks like... Uh, It's got bipartisan support. So we think it will happen at some point in some version, whether or not it changes a little bit. So at age 75, you have to start taking those distributions. Um, Now those are calculated using a chart. So it's just a simple formula. They give you an age-based factor. You divide your balance by that factor and that's how much you have to take out. If that didn't make sense to you, just think about it as somewhere between three and 4% of your account balance at age 72 or 75, whatever it is you're going to have to start taking as a distribution. One common question we get around that is, do I need to use take that 3% from all the accounts I have, or can I aggregate it and take it from one? So the rules, the way they stand is if you have IRAs, you can take it from all one IRA. However, if you have things that are a different registration, meaning you have money in a pre-tax IRA, but you also have money in a 401k plan still, In that situation, because they are different registrations or different account types, you do need to take a required minimum distribution out of each type of account. For that reason, a lot of times, and there's always a million reasons why it might not make sense, but a lot of times it makes sense to start to consolidate things as you get closer to taking RMDs just to make your life a little bit simpler. Again, there's reasons why you might not do that, but generally speaking, most people find it helpful to get things into one spot.
1: Yeah. I've said this before, Alex, on a different podcast. I I think you may have been on this one. My record was 17 retirement accounts. I think I was on that podcast and
2: (laughs) 17 is too many.
1: 17 is too many. And uh, and there was no real reason for it, right? It wasn't like uh, it was from 1980 and it had a guaranteed 17% interest rate or something. It was They just kept accumulating accounts with different (laughs) registrations. So what I want to make clear to the listeners, and, and I'll let you answer this, is if you don't take it, because people aren't tracking that. If they don't have help from a professional or an accountant, and, and by the way, it might be too late. You have to turn in four. If you don't take it by, by that year, you're in trouble. But who's calculating the distribution on three accounts, let alone 17? I mean, not many listeners have 17 retirement accounts, hopefully. But what, what if they don't take it? What if you were supposed to take 20,000?
2: Yep. So easy example. So the IRS penalty for not taking an RMD is 50% of the amount you're supposed to take. So to stick with your example, if they're supposed to take out 20,000 and they didn't do it, the IRS tax penalty is half of that, which is 10,000. Really good math. So you'd have to take out $10,000, pay directly to the IRS, take the other $10,000 out as a distribution, you're still going to pay tax on that. So you're walking away, depending on your tax bracket, maybe seven of your
0: $20,000. A quick interruption. Six Point Financial Partners is taking on new clients. If you would like to take the next step in planning your future with Dave or the Six Point team, please visit them at www.6.fp.com to schedule a time or reach out via LinkedIn, Facebook, or simply find us on the internet by searching Six Point Financial Partners. Okay, back to the show.
1: Yeah, this is uh, this is one of those things for, and I love our, our do-it-yourself listeners, right? But This alone, when you're working with an advisor, makes it worth the time and any cost it is to work with that advisor because I've seen it before. And we've had to write letters in the past where it actually says like, hey, this person didn't take their RMD because of these reasons. And sometimes they'll accept it and many times they'll reject it. And then you're just waiting for a a huge tax bill. The other place we lose folks is when they get much older. So if you're a listener right now and you have parents or grandparents that are in their 70s, 80s, 90s, and you know that they have accounts, make sure they are taking out the right amount. Because a lot of times, again, these folks are not tracking this stuff unless they have help or a lot of them that we end up meeting with just had a 1-800 number to call. They didn't really have an advisor to help them and they may be way behind. That's even a bigger problem is when we fall behind on these things, the IRS hasn't caught up yet. And then they're going to owe taxes and penalties. It gets, it gets really scary with the RMD thing if you just don't do it properly. So make sure that's correct. I'm, I'm glad that was a milestone in there, Alex, because
2: obviously it's very important. So um, anything else to add to the RMD part of it? Yeah, I mentioned I wanted to come back to one thing. So one yep. question we get a little bit is what if you're still working? So there is a rule with RMDs that if you're still working at your employer where that 401k is, you actually don't have to take an RMD even if you are over that 72 So if I'm 75 years old and I'm still going to work every day because hopefully you like your job, not because you have to, but you're still going to work every day and all of your retirement money is in that 401k plan with that employer that you're still at, you do not need to take an RMD. So one strategy, if you are somebody who's still working that age and you do have other money in IRAs. If your plan allows it, you could, in theory, transfer the money from your IRA back into that 401k plan where you're active. It doesn't work for everybody. And it's a relatively small percentage of the people that we work with that are still working at that age. But it's uh, one kind of loophole that I guess you'll want to know if that does affect you.
1: Totally. Because the other thing is, if you're still working and making money and they're making you, you think you have to take that RMD, it's just piling onto your tax bracket. So if you can avoid and defer it, it may make some sense.
2: Yeah, definitely. We always want to reduce our taxes, right?
1: Yeah. So uh, Alex, real quick, we had a couple more minutes here with you. Uh, We appreciate the time too. So if you could go from 55 to 70, because you work with these folks all of the time, and I want to, I think we should, we're going to do another podcast on this, but give us like the biggest mistake on any of these things that you see that if you just had want to pick one from a 55 year old to a 72 year old right now that you're seeing that our people are making. That you wish that you could just wave the magic wand and get rid of it, and I might that's, be catching you off guard right now because he had no one. No, no, that's, was ask that's a good sorry. question. You are <laughs>
2: catching me off guard, but I'm uh really smart, so I can handle this, right, Dave? <laughs> um, so I think I, the the one mistake in this age range that it kind of goes along with what we're talking about, it's not directly in the milestone. It has to do with just how you manage your taxes throughout this 17 year period. So I'll give you an example of you know people that I've met with who are. They're very they've done a great job saving. They have plenty of money. They're never going to run out of money. That's not the problem. They've worked with advisors before who've done a great job on teaching them good saving strategy. They've invested their money. A lot of things have gone well, but the tax piece was really missing. They weren't getting the right tax advice. And they don't have one thing that I know we talked about on podcasts before are Roth conversions. And I don't want to beat the horse again. But I've seen people where they had very low income. Let's say they retired at age fifty-five. They didn't start social security until they were 70. So they had this long stretch of time where they were living off of money they had in the bank and they had a very low cost of living anyway. And during this time, their investments are growing and they missed out on doing Roth conversions. And they probably could have converted, in the example I'm thinking of, hundreds of thousands of dollars at an effective tax rate of 12% with today's brackets because they live such a modest lifestyle. Instead, the money grew for a decade and a half, and now they're going to have to pay a much higher tax on it when they get to RMDs. I don't know if I explained that.
1: Yeah, no, that's that great. Long. If I'm a listener, because we've talked about Roth conversions a lot, and I had no idea what you were going to say. I, I'm listening to this. If I'm a listener, I have to take myself out of being an advisor. Like I hear that all the time, and I'm, I'm sure the average person isn't talking about Roth conversions all day long like advisors are. But how it makes it it, it sounds confusing a Roth conversion to like, how do you actually make that happen? If I have an IRA with Alex Neary and I want to do a conversion of, it makes sense. Alex told me to do $42,000 this year. How do I actually, how do you make that happen for me?
2: Yeah. So the process that we follow, and I know you just listen to some of your clients, Dave, but my clients who are in a position where a Roth conversion might make sense for them, we're having an in-depth conversation about it in the fourth quarter every year. So I try to get it done you know, way out of the way at Christmas, so maybe late November, early December, we're having a conversation, we're going through a tax projection for them. We're looking at what for this year for 2022 would be, how much income are you likely going to have on your return for 2022? We're looking at where that puts them in the tax bracket. For example, if they're a married couple and they've got $60,000 of income for that year, which I know some listeners will say that doesn't sound like much, but a lot of people, if they're in a position where their house is paid off, and their expenses are low, they're living on $60,000 very comfortably, that would mean they have about $20,000 of extra income they could add before they get into the 22% bracket. So they can stay completely in the 12% bracket if they add $20,000 of income. So the process we're following is we're recognizing that and we're saying, okay, let's make sure that we're converting $20,000. So that's where, if you're wondering where we get the dollar amount from, that's where the dollar amount comes from in this example. And then to actually do it, it's very easy on our end. It's usually one signature. If they've already got a Roth set up, it's just converting it from the pre-tax IRA to the Roth IRA. If we need to set up a Roth because they don't have one, I guess that's one more application that they need to fill out. But the simplest, the process is very simple. It's not a hard thing to do. I think the hard thing to do or where clients don't have confidence in what they're doing is trying to figure out exactly the right dollar amount. And I should include with that example, we also have a standard deduction that makes the number a little bit different. So maybe if you have the standard deduction of 25000 you can actually convert another 25000 But I think the steps are getting an accurate tax projection, seeing what you're going to have that year, looking at where you are in the tax brackets, figuring out which bracket you're comfortable with. If you're only comfortable with a 12% bracket, that's fine. If we need to get into the 22% tax bracket, that's fine too. Um, and then converting that amount.
1: I love it. I love the tax planning because for, again, for the listeners, if, if, Alex, use the $60,000 as an example. We have people with millions and millions of dollars that make $60,000. They have large investment accounts. This definitely applies to them. It also applies to folks that make $25,000 a year that don't have anything set up yet. So tax planning can apply to anybody and everybody in between. And by the way, other people that make $3 million a year that also have millions, or they have $3 million of income and no investments yet. So- there's always some sort of tax planning that can be done for sure. And not many people are proactive about it. So in many cases, we like to coordinate that with the CPA that they're working with or get them introduced to the right CPA locally or virtually, depending on what they need. And i take it from there. Great mistake, Alex. Anything else to add? I think our time's come to an end here. And if there's anything, nothing else, we'll shut it down and call it a day. But anything else you want to add?
2: No, I think we, we covered, we can't cover everything in 20 minutes, but I think we covered enough. <laughs>
1: all right folks if you want to reach out to alex Neary, you can find him on our website sixpointfp.com alex can we find you on linkedin or any social media anywhere you
2: can find me on linkedin i am anti-facebook you won't find me there but uh
1: (laughs) i love it by the way alex's market that he works with and specializes in is 55 to 72 where do those folks hang out facebook good job alex all right yeah Uh, maybe we'll get them on there someday ladies and gentlemen but for now we'll call it a day and we'll talk to you later make it a great day Thank you
0: for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.
3: Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Six Point Financial Partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG advisory, private client services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Six Point Financial Partners or RFG advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of Private Client Services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private Client Services, Six Point Financial Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities.